Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Carrie Stover is a leader at Paravita Solutions, a leading management consulting firm that specializes in developing extraordinary talent that helps hundreds of businesses, from small startup ventures to Fortune 500 companies, solve complex technology and business problems. The company has been recognized as one of the Inc. 5000 fastest growing private companies in the U.S. 10 times a milestone that less than 1% of all U.S.-based companies have achieved. Fortune, Glassdoor, and Great Place to Work have also named them as one of the best places to work. Kerry has over three decades of management and technology consulting experience and is a strong advocate of investing in the growth of employees so they're well-equipped to lead company transformation and growth initiatives. Welcome, Kerry Stover. How are you? I'm doing well, Lily. How are you today? I'm doing well. Um, We're so excited to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready to move forward. This is great. (laughs) All right. So, Kerry, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. I've had a very interesting career from my perspective, moving across a number of industries, searching for many things along the way. And it was sort of started when I graduated a long time ago and decided to get into computers and found myself in a hurricane-proof bunker of a data center with no windows and just completely bored out of my mind and realizing I wanted to really learn a lot of things and I wanted to be involved with things. And, you know, it was fun keeping the data center up, but when your job is to keep the computers up and you're good at it, you're bored. So, mm-hmm. so I looked and got into consulting uh, after a couple of years. And it's there that I really saw a company that was growing. That company is now Accenture. I saw how opportunity was created for people to step into space and to help lead and how everybody at the company was expected to be a leader in the moment. I can recall that at an early project, there was a question about whether we should convert or not. And the partner would walk in and say, should we turn the system on? And the partner didn't really know. It was us in the programming group who kind of knew whether or not it was going to work or not and what advice to have. And so he expected us to step up in the moment and tell them the truth and to be a leader rather than just succumb to pressure, do the things that you might find in some organizations. And I feel like that's been part of the mantra of leadership from me is that I try and create an environment that people should know that they can 
be the leader in the moment. Everybody is expected to be a leader in the moment. When you have the authority, you have the knowledge, doesn't matter what level you are, you are going to be looked to for a decision and you need to be able to make that decision based upon you know what you know and your expertise at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was able to make partner there. Also, what I began to see when I asked the partner who I was my mentor, there were 12 of us managers that were in the same group and two of us made partner. Why me? And he just said, you know, you create followers. And that's what to me is leadership is about. People want to follow people who are smart and they want to follow people who have a plan that takes into account their point of view, their perspectives. And so that means you are really creating followers when you take into account the perspectives of others and what it means to them and are able to communicate that they will want to follow you. Uh, So my mantra has been really creating followers is the biggest aspect of it, that having a plan is good, but having a plan that takes into account others' perspective is required. Because if you have your plan and you don't take it into account and things go awry, people know that you didn't ask them for their input. People know that they're going to be on a death march because you didn't get the full information and they won't follow you a second time. They will opt out of your projects. Isn't that interesting? It seems so logical that leaders have followers, but that's not always the case. (laughs) To gain followers, though, it's not just having authority. It's not just having knowledge. In all industries, I find that people are put in leadership positions, but are not really given the tools or equipped for leadership. And this is what you do now, right? I do a lot of coaching of, of individuals in our firm. We have people who come up through the ranks and move to new levels of leadership from an associate or consultant to manager, from manager to principal, from principal to vice president. And, you know, they get promoted, but they wonder what changed the next day. Like I now have a title, but am I really prepared to be the leader? And I talked to them about how, yes, you are, because we've been preparing you at the level before so that you could step into this level and you wouldn't have been moved into it if we didn't see what we needed to see for you as a leader. And it gets back to, you know, those same things I mentioned, having the plan, having a smart plan that takes into account others' perspectives and willing to admit when you're wrong is the third aspect of that. That's a biggie, isn't it? There is so much about trust. Pricewaterhouse just released their recent trust survey and it continues to reinforce that people want transparency They want people who have the humility to admit that they're wrong on something, uh, people to admit that they don't know something and ask people for their opinions. Eventually, there's a decision that has to be made and a leader will have to make it, but it can't just be because they want to or they feel they should. It needs to be because they're informed and they have the team around them ready to move in the direction. Uh, Carrie, you touched on what I find to be really key in leadership, trust. Trust is one of them, you know, transparency, humility. I believe that you can't grow in your wisdom if you don't grow in humility. They both go hand in hand. Um, And that's from personal experience. But trust is the foundation of leadership, in my opinion. How do you develop trust? I always want to get into the head of the people that I'm around. Like I want to understand their perspective. Communication is a two-way street. But it helps if you spend more time listening and learning about their perspective so that you can take that into account 
people will see and trust you when they know that you have hurt them and that you've yes. considered that. And even if you have to give them an answer that doesn't align with them, you can frame it in the way that helps them see why their answer wouldn't work for many other needs. So mm -hmm. trust is something where people want to know that you have their perspective in mind, that you care for them. Uh, there's a book by Kim Scott called Radical Candor and uh, talked about, you know, why do some people live with some very demanding bosses, Steve Jobs being one of them, who is very demanding and articulate. The thought was, is that, well, he's going to speak and he's going to speak harshly, but he has your best interest at heart. Bingo. And people think that. And so having that perspective to know and to communicate in a way, even if it might be a little bit harsh in the moment, people want to know that you have their best interest at heart. Absolutely. And you nailed it. You know, I think of my own journey, my own life. I want to follow someone who I can trust. I want to follow someone who cares for me, um, who has my back, right? And in the mm -hmm. same way, those you were leading, it's the same thing. So we have to remember that. And so thank you so much. Now, tell us about your organization and how we can connect with you. Well, Private Solutions is a technology and strategy consulting firm. And we have been in business for going on 20 years now and across 12 offices in the U.S. and Canada. We came to be because of a focus on developing people. We wanted to be a unique in the consulting industry, to be people first, and to have a plan that would allow meritocracy of giving everybody the opportunity to be evaluated and developed in a consistent way so that there was no barriers to the progression in one's career except one's own self that there wouldn't be hurdles, there wouldn't be favoritism. It was all open, published, transparent, because we wanted to develop people towards their fullest potential. And so our firm has thrived for the past 20 years and being able to commit to a people-first talent development mindset. And we're on the web at parivedasolutions.com. Pariveda, it's a Sanskrit term, which stands for the journey to complete knowledge, which of course there is no end to that journey. P-A-R-I-V-E-D-A, and then solutions.com, Par-E-Veda. Thank you so much. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? I have just moved out of the COO role in the last few weeks as we've transitioned to a new CEO who is changing the organization. This has all been planned out for years, so it's been an interesting thought process going on three years for planning this transition and moving through it. And so I'm learning how to be more of a coach and less of a doer. Mm. And that's been an interesting process to go through because I have been the center of all of our sales and delivery activities for the last 15 years. And now I'm an advisor and a coach and doing things to help people. Being very frank, I have to learn what not to ask people about. Like, I don't need to know certain things. I don't need to have them express things to me because that's not good for my successors. That's not appropriate for me to be in that position to act like I need to know something and people feeling that. This is very recent, but just like how I've had to change my style in working with people. And it's been interesting because I'm now able to worry less about the activity of the day and more about how they're focused on their personal development and what I can do to help them as they're working through their personal development needs. So that's been a real blessing for me. I feel like my future will be more in the coaching areas 
and less than the doing. And that's been nice to see that transition come about and what I'm learning through it. You're in the midst of that. So there's a lot to unpack. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, I know that you believe that as a leader, you have to get in touch with your best professional self before you're prepared to lead others. I strongly believe that you have to lead yourself well first. So speak a little bit about that. Yeah, I found that in talking to other leaders, one common thread, and this is going to sound not the direction you thought this would go, so my apologies, but it's lonely. Hmm. Leadership can be a lonely place. Is it okay if I ask people their opinions or will it make me look weak? Can I get too close to people without hurting other people? Some people are fearful of getting too close to the boss. Some bosses or leaders are fearful of getting too close to their people to create distance with them. And so a common thread is, who do I turn to? A leader will work months, quarters, years to navigate a journey to achieve an objective. And then when it's done, a lot of people can't see all the things they had to do over the course of years to create an outcome. And the leader realizes that, but who do they turn to and say, hey, job well done. So it, it can be a very lonely thing. So to your question of being your best possible self, how do you have the confidence in what you're doing to know that you're making the right decisions in a world that's not going to give you as much feedback as you might like? Hmm. that can be a strain on several people where they question themselves. They might have imposter syndrome, wondering if they're worthy or not of being in the position. They may second guess themselves and come across to people as maybe not committed to the decisions they've made. Uh, so to be your best possible self in a world where you don't get as much feedback as you'd like, you really do have to have the confidence and the humility in balance that I'm confident in my decisions. I'm humble enough to know that I might not be right. And I need to test enough of that just to make certain that I'm doing the right things. Yeah. And, you know, I used to always hear that phrase, it's lonely at the top. And I often think about that because it doesn't have to be lonely at the top. In addition to what you just mentioned, uh, the humility, you know, the, the continued learning, the being vulnerable. And I strongly recommend this and this is something that I have to practice too is having an inner circle mm -hmm. uh, being intentional about having that inner circle it doesn't have to be lonely at the top you can tap into those resources when you get stuff done and get the advice that you need so that you're not that lone wolf who's driving the ship you're doing it alongside others or with the input of others. And so I, I do want to push back on that. You know, it is something that was said for a long time, but it doesn't have to be that way if we anticipate that, right? So this is something that can happen. So you're, you're anticipating that, but also you're planning for it. Right. And it's good to have a circle of advisors, both in the company and outside of your company yes. as well. Yes. People that you can go to who can just challenge you and test you on what it is. You can talk to things about that. And that's what I found many more decisions were made with me not even knowing it. That's the way a good organization should be, that the leader is making very few decisions. And so in my role, I didn't want to make a lot of decisions, not because I didn't want to make the decisions. 
I felt it was wrong for the organization for me to make so many decisions. And I would tell people who would lead one of our offices, they would make countless more decisions in leading an office than I would do leading multiple offices, because that's where a lot of decisions should be made. But when the decisions did come up about long-term strategy or other things, that's where it should weigh in and to have advisors being part of that. But sometimes those advisors change. Sometimes they just can't see everything you're seeing along the way as well. And so having that internal advisor group, as you say, is uh, inner circle is really good. And I'd also advise to have a group of close advisors from the outside to be like your personal board. That's right. Keep you to just challenge you in your career decisions, personal decisions that help you grow. I, I love that. Thank you. Now, when you think of leadership today, Carrie, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? The lack of proximity, personal contact. Hmm. It is hard to communicate effectively in a hybrid world. It is hard to build the same level of trust that you could as you would in an office when you're sitting in a hybrid world. You don't get the touch points with someone after a meeting to walk out and say, hey, let me just talk about what just happened and you know how I see it. You can't pour into people as easily as you could at an in-office world in a personal world. And so you got to make that up somehow. You're Mm going to have to figure out, take better notes about the meeting. So the next time you're in a one-on-one with someone, you don't forget about something. You actually purposely go back, hey, I wanted to talk to you about that last meeting. And I wanted to, you know, talk about what you said. And I wanted to, you know, kind of hear your reactions to how you felt. And let's talk about that. Mm, So it's forgetting it. And then that person is kind of like, that's a mislearning opportunity for them. And that's a mistrust building opportunity for a leader. So I think the biggest challenge right now is navigating, trying to create trust in your organization. In our firm, when the pandemic hit, our productivity went up immensely. We were very productive, but we had teams that had been working together. And all we did was switch from going into an office to working from home. But what we found was as the pandemic wore on, the teams weren't quite as productive because we were taking people off of projects, moving them to new projects, new teams were forming, trust was being you know, now not in person. They weren't going to lunch together. They weren't learning about each other. And so we had to go through and have different trust building activities within the team. The common behaviors weren't necessarily agreed upon. So we put in a construct called agreements. So every team would meet and talk about What did each person need and how was the team going to support each other so that they got to know each other better? So in a world where we're not in person as much as we were for, you know, a generation or two that have worked in that world, they're having to figure out how do I navigate that? Now, I could also be completely wrong because in a future world where people have grown up never going into an office there's not that same level of expectation. And so do they just miss out on the learning or are we going to be good enough to figure out how to get that learning in while not being able to take advantage of the walk down the hall after the meeting, the time over lunch that we might've had, how are we going to build that? So that to me is a strong future of developing people depends on being able to pour into them. So when you click leave meeting, that a lot of things that used to happen cannot happen with that leave meeting button. Right. And personally, I've had to up level how I do my training online. 
especially at the beginning, you have a lot of disengagement. <laughs> and so <laughs> learning, right, how to engage the unengageable, so to speak. So the onus is on me as a leader to do that. I agree with you that that human touch, that human connection is still so important. And we've got to figure out a way to do that. I'm old school that way. I like <laughs> touch. I like face-to-face. And so as much as it depends on me or I can do it, I will. Even here, this is an audio podcast, but I prefer to do it Zoom where we're talking to each other. At least I can see your eyes. And to be able to do that, Carrie, at least to see your facial expressions that you could see mine mm-hmm. and have that connection as much as I can is important. And I'm with you there. So I know that you do a lot of employee development, leadership development in your organization. What are some top trends in employee development now? One of the things that we give great focus on is people understanding how to build personal power. Hmm. Organizations will teach you skills necessary to do a job. But at this stage of my career, and probably for the last decade, Most of my issues are people issues. Technology only does what a person tells it to do. Uh, It's been programmed to do that. Processes work because people think that there's a structure. They may not be the right thing in certain instances, et cetera. So what ends up happening is people break technology. People break processes. People do things. And so how do you navigate and develop your skills which are really soft skills is what they call it, but it's really your personal power. You may have positional power from Mm -hmm. your role as a leader, but do you have the personal power, which is an embodiment of the trust, the respect, the knowledge, the humility, all that translates into the people look at you as someone that is going to be wise and fair and other things in making a decision and attributing credit when it's due and attributing need for action when it's due to various parties. And so taking, taking the responsibility when you need to take it, when things go wrong. So we have uh, worked with the company to have a program where we really take our young managers and have them understand that being a manager, isn't having a title. Mm -hmm. Being a manager is having personal power that you can make things happen because people want to trust you and believe in you and will do things for you despite your position. Yeah, so being able to influence others to follow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it yes. goes back to what you were saying is really key. So thank you so much for that. Now, we have a surprise question from a former guest. Dr. Jill Kushner Bishop wants to know, this may not be a fair question <laughs> because I don't know if we know the answer to this, but I'd love to hear your perspective. With all the development of AI, where is the value of human and how are you making sure that they have a role in your organization? Well, being a firm that's dedicated to developing people to their fullest potential sits at the heart, like we're not going to AI our way out of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for example, we write very long, qualitative, semi-annual and annual reviews of people gathering 360 feedback from people they've worked with. And we have a common set of expectations for every level that's published and it goes across many dimensions. And it's a very interesting thing that we tested. Take all this feedback, here's the expectations, put out a draft 
of their review. How would you feel if AI generated your review for you? You can get information out of that to go into a review, but the review itself needs to be authored by you. It's not authored by ChatGPT. It's authored by you. You own every word. You own every phrase. You own every intent because people look at those in the reviews. So we're very intentional about our purpose and about the need for not just us and our employees, but to our clients and the people and the employees of the firms that we work with. How do we develop them? And my personal belief is every time that there's been a wave of technology that eliminates jobs, there's also a ton of data and a ton of processes and a ton of other things to create new jobs that have to go into place. So yes, we might eventually make ourselves into the Star Trek world where nobody really has a job anymore and the computers do everything. But then why do the people walk around the Starship Enterprise and do things and push buttons and whatever if all that is automated, right? No, there's going to be more jobs. We still world. need Captain Kirk. That's right. <laughs> Yes. And this is an interesting question. This is something that I think we need to continue to look at. So I appreciate that. Now, as a listener of this podcast, Carrie, what is the question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? How will you know you've been successful? By what measure when you're done? That's a driving factor. I think if people haven't thought of that answer, I'm not sure what kind of leader you are if you don't have an end in mind for that. If they thought of the answer, hopefully it's not. I'll look at my bank account and see what mm -hmm. I've got. I hope it's along the lines of I put an impression into the lives of many people and have been part of a journey that I hope has helped make them the success that they are today. That is a powerful question, metaphysical. Like when I see that question, I'm thinking life. Right. As a leader, how do I know I've been successful in my life and in, in my right. purpose? And because I believe leadership is a purpose, we can really impact humanity in how we lead ourselves as we lead others. So a great question. Thank you so much. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? One, it's never too early to start thinking about the type of leader you want to be. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to have a mentor who encouraged me when I was a young manager, not to think about what it meant to be a manager, but what it meant to be a senior partner in a firm and to look at myself holistically mm -hmm. in that. It's never too early to start. It's never too late to start either. People can change. I have had a number of executives that I've been involved with over time who have learned so many new things, I being one of them. There's always something more to know. You don't know everything. And many of these things will help you look at life differently, even at various stages of your career. I was fortunate enough to get introduced to a concept of leadership maturity framework by Suzanne Cook-Reuter that helped me better understand the maturation of adults, not from a knowledge base, but from their perspective that they took to others in the world. And it really changed the way that I began to look at myself and others in the career growth that I was aspiring to have, as well as what I would hope I could help others in their career growth. So it's never too late to learn either. And then remember that all of the learning you have is for naught. If you can't inspire others, if you can't communicate that, if you can't take their interest at heart 
and help develop others as an outcome of what you know. Money can buy a lot. Never buy the joy of seeing the smile on someone's face when you've helped them achieve a new job. Get a raise that they deserve that, that was hard to come by. Get them to leave your company and step into a bigger role at a new company. And you've had your hands on that. There's no joy greater than watching someone go into a new role and the, the smiles that are on their face. So spend your time focused on that and know that you, know, you can always find a time to learn something new and to join that journey with them. Harry, that's a great way to end our conversation. Thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been great. Lily, it's been a joy to spend time with you. Thank you so much for you and what you do through your podcast. It's wonderful. Thank you. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.